I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Gompies, and welcome to Rhymes and Hits Volume Pod. My name is Josh Earl, and this is the podcast where we talk about the greatest compilation series this country has ever produced. Rhymes and Hits, and special guest this week, someone who's actually on the compilation. Can you please welcome, from the band Regurgitator, it's Quan Yeomans, yay! <sighs> hey, mate. How are you, mate? Very good. Thanks for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. We only met five minutes ago. Yeah. We had a pretty intense conversation about uh, raising children <laughs> beforehand, yeah. but that's all right. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. It's been my MO, really. So we're talking about volume 26, side B. So the year was 1998. Was it? Do you remember 98? Not really clearly. It was a really big year for your band. Uh, I guess so. I guess so. Maybe 98 was starting to get a little sour for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'd done a lot of touring yeah. by 98. Yeah. Well, we talked about uh, one of your... We talked about Black Bugs in a previous episode. Right. And I discovered something, and I want to know if it's true, because sometimes I find stuff out online, and then I read later, and I'm like, that's not true. That's all AI stuff, don't worry about it. Is it true that after two playing, you toured with Helmet? Yes. And that scared you? Helmet and the Melvins. Great. Oh, okay, great. So, it was true. a pretty intense, macho lineup. Yeah. Like, and I loved Helmet. I love that that mean, In Meantime, or Meantime Records. Yeah. But yeah, touring with them was like... Oh, Got a glimpse into the military kind of mind, yeah. Because it was like that. It was like touring with a military band. It was really intense. Because Melvins, I used to like Melvins, especially the song "Honey Bucket." Right. It's probably the most. I wasn't a massive fan of Melvins, but yeah. I I was impressed with them live. But yeah, we just felt so out of place on that tour. It was just weird. I can't remember the lead singer's name, uh, but he looks like Miriam Margulies. Yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're cool. Uh, so that was so that was. When did you do that? 95, 96? I'm really bad with dates, okay. but it would have been around when you said, like yep. just after two playing, I think. One of the first big American tours we ever did. Yeah, great. So, this is, not, this is 98. So, you're, you've got a song on this one. We'll talk about that song later. Mm -hmm. But what I want to... Were you asked about being on the compilation before... You, do you get a say if you are allowed on or not allowed on? Uh, I think we probably would have been asked. We had a fairly um, good relationship with our... Um, record company via our manager, obviously, yep. who was the major buffer. So he may have asked and we may have just gone, out, oh, whatever. Yeah. But a lot of the times, they probably they probably threw a lot of stuff at us. Yeah. And we were just like, oh, God. Yeah, just one of those out of 10 of those is fine. Just Cause, whatever. Because it was a hard time for musicians then in terms of the whole notion of selling out. And not saying this is selling out, but would you w did you get offered ads yeah we got offered coke ads and all sorts of stuff and uh, we said no to a lot of that stuff for sure uh it is weird that selling out notion because it doesn't really exist now no right? it doesn't you've got to sell out otherwise you just die right exactly well i think courtney love said selling out just means you sold tickets that's all yeah People yeah sure want to come like yeah that. yeah totally so all right we're gonna kick this off so it's side b we've just finished side a uh, the last song on side a was 
The Cause. Oh, yes. Their song, their cover of Dreams, the Todd Terry remix. Dreams, as in the Fleetwood Mac song? Yeah. Yep. Great song. And now we're moving. We're still in the same region. We're going into the UK, not Ireland. So this is the first time on the podcast for this band. This is a song that sounds like something Ricky Gervais would use in his <laughs> post-extras TV shows. Right. I don't know if you watched any of them. They're just He clearly just is padding for time. He's like, all right, gonna, let's, let's right. put a nice song on and we'll okay. have, have me walking with the dog. This is The Lighthouse Family and their song, High. When you're close to tears, remember Someday it'll all be over One day we're gonna get Oh yeah, okay, I know this. You know this one? Yeah. Yeah. It was the number one here in Australia. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Is that the general gist of 100% hits? If they made it to number one or close? Not always. Really? Very big in Hungary. All the songs got really big in Hungary. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just this some um, kind of weird thing that so often when I look at it. The songs on this album. Maybe they had like a distro thing going on there. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I would I want someone from either Polydor or uh, EMI to yeah. come in and actually say how they put to, how they put them together. Yeah, right. It doesn't really. Wait, what? Sense. What is this obsession you have with this 100% hits thing? It was great. It was. It was when you. No, was some, is it something that you did? You bought as a I, child? Yeah, or? I bought them. It was because you know CDs were expensive. Yeah. And you didn't want to have to. You know, waste your money on an album that had like you wanted a good two playlist. good songs and like ten sure, fillers. So sure. I was like, oh, oh you're the, that here. kind of guy. Okay, I was, I was, yeah. <laughs> money was tight. Okay, all right, that's all we're gonna play the song. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, actually, high being high and using the word high seemed to be a bit of a thing back then. Yeah, well, I watched the, the end of um, what the hell was that program last night? I don't know, but they used that soup soup dragon song. Um, I'm free. Ah, uh, yeah. Similar kind of thing. I'm high. I'm free. That was a really kind of big vibe. Well, this is from their songs. second album. Their first album had a song called Lifted. So it's the same kind of right. thing. With these guys, though, I don't know. High can be drugs, but with these guys, it seems like it's religious. Religious, yeah. And for I don't sure. know if it's because the Lighthouse family sounds like it's a something that the Jehovah's Witnesses. It like the magazine like they a cult, you. doesn't yeah. it? Really, when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first, the opening line is very morbid. Yeah. Like, it's all going to be over soon. Well, uh, so they're from Newcastle. There's, they're just a duo. It's Tunde Baywo and Paul Tucker. Now, Paul Tucker wrote the lyrics uh, for the song. Right. Uh, so this is the second single from their second album called Postcards from Heaven. Okay. Another, yep. Yep. Uh, and the first uh, album had been a bit of a surprise hit. They didn't really expect it to go that great, but it went very, very well. This time they had uh, a bit of writer's block. It's that <laughs> classic thing of going... The Sofa Miller record. You have the whole whole life to write your first one yep. and then a year to write your second one mm-hmm. uh, and normally so when all the hits on this album when I look into it normally what I see is people go oh this song took me 10 minutes to write yeah this one is not one of those which is good oh really it, it took him 8 months to write the lyrics they had the bones <laughs> of it 8 months 8 months but then what he would that's do that's like Leonard Cohen yeah. kind of territory <laughs> what he would do it, he would show people the song and they're like oh that's a hit just get some lyrics and that's a hit and because everyone was saying that's a hit, it built the like oh built the God, stakes, and he was awful. like, "I can't, I can't finish this song." Yeah, everyone's awful. saying it's going to be a hit. Yeah, you don't want that. How how often, like, with Regurgitator, do you because there's what two main songwriters? Basically, yeah. yeah. Do you show each other before it's finished, or wait till it's finished, or how? What's the writing process there? Um, it probably was a little bit different back then. Certainly when we were working on Unit, which is yeah the main record that we released. 
uh, it was very kind of uh, you'd you'd come into the studio with a new song yeah. and then you'd go check this out and then it would kind of get you more vibe to work on your own stuff. So it was a slightly competitive kind of vibe. I think that's a really healthy way to do it as well. Yeah, definitely. We de- I don't remember playing it to too many other people yeah. outside of the band. That seems like a, a nightmare to me. I always think with the pressure of like, because you read about The Strokes, who Julian Casablancas was the main songwriter for the first two albums. Mm. And then in the break between the second and third album, Four, no, three of the members really solo albums. Yeah, and it's like him going, "Why am I writing all these songs for the band if you guys have sitting on these songs that we could have used?" Right, and so I think that was the beginning of them. Even though they're still going, yeah, I don't think it's a happy marriage. In that yeah, band. right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so he said, uh, "With this uh, eight months, finally finished it. Like yeah. they had deadlines, and then it went on, and it was the big hit, number one in Australia, number four in the UK. So it was bigger here than it was in the UK. Yeah, yeah, but." That's how it works sometimes. All right, we're going to move on. Okay, this is... Well, at least, I mean, everyone was saying it was a hit, and it was. Yeah, it worked out well for him. Did he feel, like, stupid for spending so much time on those lyrics? Well, he said it was really personal. He said he, his uh, wife had lost it. Uh, she was pregnant, and they lost the pregnancy. Oh, okay. And uh, so he was also going through, like... The, oh. so the first album was a hit. They were touring, meant to be living the dream. Yeah. And he was dealing with all these things. Yeah, going, sure. This is not what I thought it was going to be. Okay. And I've got all this pressure now from the, from the label okay. to hence, follow it up. Hence the existential dread yeah. through the, the song. All right. Speaking of someone else who wasn't going through a good time at this time of their life, this is Richard Ashcroft and his band, The Verve. Now, you said you hadn't heard any of these songs. I'm sure you've heard this song. I've heard. I definitely heard that Lighthouse yeah. fa- family song. Yeah. All right. So this is Lucky Man by The Verve. You realise how long it is when you're in a room with someone you've met before. Like, <laughs> yeah. Where do I look? Where do I look? Exactly. It's like being in an elevator. Who was the producer of these? Good question. I don't know. Do you like the sound of it? No, I mean, it's it's very clean. I like guitar tones. He's got a great voice. He does have a good voice. He's a very good front man. He looks cool. This doesn't ring any bells. See, this was their third single from right. Urban Hymns, which yeah. was a huge... Yeah, yeah, it was massive. Huge album, mainly Bittersweet Symphony, yeah. but... Um, and then Sonnet, I think... No, Drugs Don't Work was the other song we yeah. played so far. I remember those but two. Sonnet was also one as well, which is also another big song, but yeah. We'll just play the chorus. Then yeah, yeah, I remember the chorus. Nope. <laughs> I don't think I ever heard the song. It sounds like a million other songs, though. I know, that, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, anyway, so that was, is the third single from Urban Hymns. Now, we talked about last time with The Drugs at Work that Urban Hymns was going to be a solo rec- record for Richard Ashcroft. Oh, is that right? And in the last, like, 11th hour, he got cold feet and went, fuck, I just need some fresh ears on this. Yeah. And invited the band back. They'd already oh, broken up. Oh, wow. Invited them all back in. Yeah, I've got some songs. And then they kind of just added a little bit. Yeah, nice. Then they went on the road again and he realised, this is why we broke up. We can't be a band. Wow. And so they 
this was like a huge album. They yeah. only got to enjoy it really for a, a year and then they broke up after that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they got back together again. Like, you know, bands do that. Like, they're like, all right. Yeah, we haven't done that yet. <laughs> well, that's great. You guys have been the whole time. But yeah, but you know, the, the whole nostalgia tour thing where yeah. people are like, going, all right, we, we, we can sell some records here. Mm. And uh, then they realise, oh no, we're, we need to break up. The Fleetwood Mac story. Really. Mm, mm. Like, yeah. Uh, Bono, though, said in an interview that this is one of the six songs he wished he'd written. Really? Yeah. The others uh, are Live Forever by Oasis. Okay. Unfinished Sympathy by Massive Attack. Bob Dylan and Sam Shepard's Brownsville Girl. The last song I'll ever sing by Gavin Friday. I, I don't know this song. And All Right Love by M. Griner. I don't know that song either. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fine. Bono. Do you Go have any it. songs that you wish you'd written? Uh, um, yeah, sure. But it's more of a, like a, a time travel thing yeah. where I could, you know, go back and just write these songs and, yeah, collect all of the royalties and <laughs> the fame for it. Have you watched The Last of Us, the HBO series? No, I tried to watch it. I, I enjoyed the setup, but then I kind of got a bit like, oh, this is Well, the is setup's great. The setup is like 2000 and th- is it 2003? Yeah. Yeah, the world pretty much... Yeah, sure. the virus goes on, we shut yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. I did research into that. So the killer's song, Mr. Brightside, yeah. was meant to be released the weekend after... So that song would have been pressed, would have been sitting in a warehouse somewhere ready to go and the world didn't hear it. Oh, and they use it. No, they don't use it. But I was like saying to my friend, okay, say you, you're running away from the mushroom people. Right. You find a, you find <laughs> a warehouse full of CDs and one of them's then. Do you listen to it and go, oh, can I steal this song? Can I, can I go around and say, I wrote this song? Because I was thinking about what songs I would like if I could write a song. Yeah. And I thought, oh... Just to be an asshole, if I wrote Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers and then never released it, so that maybe they wouldn't be a big band. Maybe I could sabotage. Yeah, it's really interesting. I've been I, I read um, Rick Rubin's uh, latest book. Oh yeah, which is great, and I, you know I really appreciate how you know Zen Zen it is and Buddhist, and I like. There's a quite a few takeaways I've got during like yeah. being this current creative process that I'm in has been quite helpful. Yeah. But yeah, uh, look at this, the bands that he's made big, particularly the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Isn't there a great quote from Nick Cave? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. He turns on the radio, he says, what is this shit? And it's always the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's it. Yeah, that's right. It's strange how the longevity... I mean, one of the biggest first tours we ever did was with those guys. Yeah. And they were wonderful. I reckon, yeah. Nice guys. But it's just their music just went from okay to really really shocking not, always, to, not to shit on them I yeah mean, i'm always amazed with flea because flea's in every documentary he's a lovely dude he seems like he's cool he's really lovely and the stuff he was doing with uh tom york i thought was really cool and right. i can't he's an amazing bass player yeah and they're all great musicians yeah just that get them together and that funk oh not for me yeah i mean i was obsessed with that uh the first couple of records mother's milk in particular yeah and then blood sugar and then after that i was like what is going what happened here yeah and I mean, it doesn't, it didn't age particularly well either, no. but honestly, the new material is just like, wow. Um, so to get back to the positive, so the song, I, I've got two songs I wish I wrote. So Common People by Pulp, I think that's a great song. That is a good song. And also having grown up working class, I'm like, yeah, this is, I love this. For me, it's pretty much any song on 69 Love Songs. Now you're talking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that guy is an incredible lyricist. Stephen great Merritt songwriter. Is great songwriter. One of the best and also one of the best interviews as well because he's so it's like he's playing a character he's so grumpy yeah i love it and that because uh that came out in 99 yeah and we talked about uh last week with jen fricker um 
and I had that was one of the albums that I played. I flogged it in '99. That and the Flaming Lips "Soft Bulletin" are just two albums that. When I think of '99, oh, yeah. I was like, "Oh, these are the albums." The other song I thought, "Oh, Heya by Outkast," because it's also another timeless song. It's yeah, a great yeah. pop song. Sure. Yeah. Sure. All right, we're gonna move on. Probably for me, it would have been like a Justin Timberlake. Oh, and just get those royalties. Well, <laughs> I do actually. I was obsessed with his JT. Um, what's it called? The um, Justified record. Is that the one with? Uh, I was, I was like, back on it. No, the one before that actually. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Crimea so, River. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the song. Yeah. That is a killer song. It is a good song. So it's funny. So that was when I really noticed that uh, pop music was uh, being appreciated more mm. because I think Pitchfork gave that their number one album for the year. Oh, is that right? Yeah. That's unusual. It was, yeah. Because it was like, and it was almost like, are you guys doing this to be contrary or are you doing it because you really believe it? And I mm. think time has uh, fared well. Gone. Yeah, it, yeah, it totally. A, it's a great album. It is a really good record. Yeah. All right, moving on. Now, this is a guy who is one of these guys who I think is bigger in Australia than anywhere else, even though he's not from Australia. This is Ben Harper. <sighs> and <laughs> his song, Mum is Trippin', but it is the Freedom remix. So here we go. Okay. Oh, so it's actually yeah. from Freedom remix. Whose idea was that, I wonder? I doubt it was his. I never heard. I don't think I've ever heard this. I remember this being played a bit on Triple J. Yeah, right. But I don't know if it was this version or the actual original version that's on the album. I was never really a fan of Ben Harper. Like new blues stuff, kind of just yeah, washed I, over me. I didn't yeah, really. It I passed me by. I had a flatmate who loved him. He was right. he was a surfer as well, so he was into yeah, all that sure. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just like I just can't find an angle in to this. Yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, we'll talk about this song. So this is uh, from the album The Will to Live. Um, this I said he's bigger in Australia, but he also very big in France. Oh, okay. So that album sold 300,000 copies in France. Wow. I don't think it sold that many in the US where he's from. Uh, so it samples George Michael's Freedom 90. Yep. That's Because the reason it's called Freedom 90 is because Wham! had a song called Freedom, which sounds very different to... Oh, right. One. Yeah, so he was like... Right, I didn't know that. Yep. Uh, it was... Uh, from his album Listen Without Prejudice mm-hmm. which Enemy reviewed simply by saying Listen Without Speakers <laughs> that's harsh. I reckon I reckon it's because it's got that it's got Freedom 90 that's a good song even though if you don't like George Michael you can go alright well it's Freedom 90 oh I love George a, Michael he's yeah. amazing but I think at the time people were like oh he's popular we're, we're like sure yeah. that sellout but thing I reckon it was just an easy win for the writer going oh this is Set me up. Yeah. I can just knock this one out of the park. Yeah. Uh, in 2021, Rolling Stone said Freedom 90 was 126 in their list of 500 greatest songs of all time. Okay. I don't know how they do these things, but it's like, it's it's so funny when you think 126 and then you go, okay, so how many, <laughs> be- how many Beatles songs uh, before this? How many yeah. Rolling Stone? And you just go through all of that and go, there's, there's no way it's 126. Yeah. Um, okay. So it came in at number 86 in the Hot 100 okay. in 98. 
This particular song. This song. Right. Okay, 86. Do you know how many songs you had in the Hunts 100 that year, 98? No. It was your best year. Oh, was it? You had six songs. Six? You, you, you had more songs than anyone else. Wow. In, in the world, Quan. <laughs> no one else in the world had in more songs world. than you. Wow. We'll go, we'll go through them later. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, this is another one of those guys who's like, I'm sure he's a delight to hang out with. Yeah, he's probably lovely. Yeah, I'm sure I never he's met him. like really cool and nice and I'm just... I'm, I can't get He seems music. like one of those guys that Ben would have known, like my bass player. He oh, probably okay. would have smoked weed with him like on, at some point. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And had a nice time. Had a jam maybe. So I did Drum show, circle. So him and Michael Franti are the same to uh-huh. me. It's like that th- whole thing. It's dreadlocked. Like, yeah. Or yep. More that they're always in Australia. Mm-hmm. They play music that people will go, oh, fucking chill. And it's like, okay. They seem like they should have been born in Byron Bay. Or exactly. just live yep. there. I'm sure they spend many time there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on. Okay. It's the thinking person, Spice Girls. This is All Saints. Oh, yeah. And I know where it's at. I reckon you'll like this one. (laughs) Well, it's Super Beatles. Phrasing from this period. Yeah. What was their other hits? Never ever. How's was that one go? Th- it starts with the. Um, oh, I can just play it for you. That's <laughs> the easier way to do it. All right. Uh, you'll know it from probably the start. I say so. Sorry, listeners. Uh, you heard this two weeks ago. <laughs> Look, I liked it, so you're going to listen to it again. A few questions that I need to know. How you could ever hurt me so. This goes for a minute, this talking intro. I oh, no, yeah. don't do that to the listeners. I'll get it. <laughs> Either way, I'm going out of my mind. I'm just skipping All forward. the answers <laughs> to my questions I have to find. My head's been... Oh, yeah. This was a big hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, back to... Uh, I know where it's at. So originally the band were called All Saints 1975. They had no success with that name. They were dropped by their label, lost a member. Then the Appleton sisters from Canada joined them and they signed to London Records. They dropped the 1975 part. Boom, huge hits. Uh, <laughs> 1975 was, that was clearly it. a bummer. <laughs> uh, so a few people last week, oh no, two weeks ago, told me that I was too nice to the, um, to the band and the song Never Ever, but... I'm sorry, it's my opinion. I like it. <laughs> okay, so this was actually the first single from the album in the UK. And in this country, they swapped it around. So they had Never Ever Go First and then they had this one second. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this got to number four. So it's still a big song. Yeah. And it contains that uh, that kind of uh, first bit is the um, sample from Steely Dan's The Fez. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I'm not a Steely Dan fan, but I listen to it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's completely, you've just ripped off. Not yeah. Ripped off, but you've just used a very quite prominent sample from that song in your song that's fine uh so got to 12 here in australia 
got top 20 in six other countries. Mm. They got a lot of good press um, from the music uh, reviewers, but they pretty much got good press because they would use that to bag out the Spice Girls. Oh, I see. And it was that time where in the UK, because they just had like the whole Blur Oasis rivalry. Yep. They're like, all right, this is the new one. We can get All Saints and Spice Girls fighting each other. Sure. And unfortunately, and the bands have said this, that they actually bought into it. Mm. And Mel B apparently beat up Shaznay Lewis, the lead singer, <laughs> in a bathroom, ripped her weave out of her head. Ouch. Yeah. But now uh, Mel C got on stage with All Saints not that long ago. Oh, that's nice. Because they're still going. Yeah, that's lovely. They're still going. They're still going. Yeah, wow. they had a lot of time off, but they're still they're now back together. That's good. Rigoja, you wouldn't have had any beefs with bands. I can't imagine. I, I always think the Australian music industry, especially in the nineties, maybe tism. tism. Oh, what did? Because they had a song where they. Inclu- no, we have faux beefs with those guys. Yeah. It's, it's never been, you know. Fake, da- Damien fake was on, on my last podcast. Yeah, uh, they're so, sweet. Yeah, they're yeah. sweet dudes. Yeah. Um, he was funny though because he said. Oh, just don't bring up Tism. And then in the first minute, he brought up Tism. I'm right. like, what's going on? I'm like, I've written all these <laughs> questions. I'm not about to. Uh, so they debuted this song on the National Lottery live. The National Lottery? Yeah, a TV show. Yeah, right. Where they drew the lotto numbers. Oh. And I don't know why this country never did the same thing. That would it, be a good show. Like, yeah. An hour-long show. Commercial television, there's six segments. Yeah. There's five ad breaks in uh-huh. between. So you've got six segments. Every segment... New song. Draw a number. There you go. Number 17. Then have a guest interview them. Do a song. Do a like, stand-up. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to have a break. We'll come back with more numbers. I feel like you've already pitched this to people. Well, I, I haven't, <laughs> but it should be. Like, and at the end of the show, someone wins like millions of dollars. Sure. If you win, call in and then everyone's got their phone camera. Just, we'll put it on TV. You can see them. That's good TV. Yeah. That's People, I don't know what good TV is. People wonder way, why people aren't watching free-to-air TV these days. That's <laughs> why, because that show's not on there. Um, all right. I think that is all we need to say about All Saints. Yeah, I don't feel one way or the other about it. Yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, moving on. This, I can't believe we've not talked about this band before on the show. Um, and this is such a weird song for them to have first on it because I had massive hits with Barbie Girl. And Dr. Oh, Jones. Oh, yeah, Aqua. Yeah, this is Aqua, and this is their song, Turn Back Time. This is not the Sure song. No. No, I, I thought it was. I thought yeah. it was going to be a, a crazy cover, but. Oh, lovely. <laughs> it's so different to what the others are. It's almost like got a um, M people kind of vibe to yeah. it. Yeah. remember this at all no have you ever seen the movie sliding doors yeah this is in sliding doors oh. apparently the film clip i didn't watch it but it has like been a paltrow kind of in it oh like fits in the film <laughs> doesn't ring any bells wait to the chorus maybe the chorus will remind you 
Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it does sound like every other song. <laughs> it's definitely bringing images of Gwyneth Paltrow back to me. I must have heard it at that in that movie, probably. It is pretty kind of um, subdued for them, though. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's almost like they were like, oh, we've got to show people we can actually... Do serious kind of music. Do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also, you can't jump on stage for that long. We need a song we can take a break. <laughs> was it successful, this track? Well, this see, this is the sixth single from their debut Six. album. Six. Whoa, that's, that's going deep. So many. I mean, I think Shania Twain had eight. Oh, really? Her, that's uh, like the whole record, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Was, I think it was 11 songs and, yeah, eight were singles. Uh, so... This uses a Pet Shop Boys sample uh, from their song Heart. Uh, they had uh, Dr. Jones and Barbie Girl were huge hits, especially yeah. uh, Barbie Girl. Yeah. So big. Yeah. Actually, there was a lawsuit um, from Mattel, the makers of Barbie, who Is tried to right? sue them. God. Um, because of the uh, suggestive lyrics. They're like, hey, you're, you're sexualizing Barbie. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Um but it got the case got dismissed in 2002 and the judge said and this is a direct quote from the judge both parties are advised to chill <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of thing you want to hear from a judge yeah that's awesome uh aqua are denmark's most successful ever group they're from denmark yeah. i didn't even know that selling 33 million album copies worldwide there you go uh this song went to number one in the uk got to number 10 here in australia okay so the uk loved them so yeah yeah like, Absolutely huge. Oh, I remember uh, how huge they were, definitely. Yeah, Lene Nystrom was uh, the lead singer. She's one of the first famous people I ever saw live in real life. Oh, is that right? Like, yeah, just, she was, I was, so I'm from Tassie. Yeah. But in 98, my girlfriend at the time moved over to uh, Melbourne, so I came to visit her. I was watching Recovery that morning and Aqua were guests on Recovery. Oh, wow. Which was, I, I don't know. Uh, we did that many times, actually. Yeah. You weren't on that, that episode. No, we wouldn't have been. Uh, so I saw her on that. She had like dyed red, like bright red hair. Okay. And then I went into the Melbourne city centre and I saw her walk out of a Australia souvenir store. And I <laughs> stared at her so much. And I, look, <laughs> Lena, if you're listening, I, I do hope you are listening. I apologise if in 1998 <laughs> a 16-year-old boy I stared at you. I think she probably would have been pretty <laughs> immune to that by then. <laughs> but just... Going into it, I did, looking back, going going into an Australia store, like just buying some, like buying a soft koala sure. or kangaroo or something like that. The things you do, like yeah. you've just done morning TV. Mm-hmm. Doing recovery, because it was so early. It was super early. When I think it started at and 9 every o'clock. band was like hungover and tired at that stage. I mean, it was so important to someone like me who was 16 living in a small town in Tasmania. Yeah, it was a great program. Just going, it was really cool. I've rewatched some interviews now. Oh my God, I cannot believe this. It's so laid back. It's I know, the right? Most, like, it's great. And it, it was of the time. It was that thing of like, oh, you can't show people that you're trying, even though the sets all looked amazing. Yeah, yeah. They, did they you did. ever get to keep any of the sets? Because they no. would have just destroyed them afterwards. No, I don't know. I don't know what happened to them, but um, no, we didn't. Yeah. We never laid claim. Like I said, everyone was so bloody tired. We just wanted to get out yeah. of there. <laughs> um, oh, we right. spoke to Dylan recently, actually. Well, not that recently, for a documentary they did about the show, ah. which was cool. It was lovely to meet him again. It's funny, because when I was on Spicks and Specs, so the original used to do countdown, um, like, tribute shows. Oh, yeah. Like, Adam would dress up as Molly Meldrum. Yeah, and right. And I, when I hosted it, I was like, can we do a recovery special? Oh, yeah. And have Adam as the reinforcer and... Ella as Jane Gazzo and I could just get an eyebrow ring. And uh, they're like, I don't think people really remember the show that well. 
And I'm like, what are you talking about? This like, there's a whole generation of people who are like, this was the show they watched. For those who weren't old enough to go out, or yeah, if you were totally. hungover, you'd turn it on. And, and it was just so raw. That was the best thing yeah. about it. Like, it was super raw. Well, they used to make comics do stand-up on it. Um, God, I don't remember that. Yeah, but they would have them, so they were facing away from the audience and do it to camera, and so the audience of kids were in the back. Oh, ah, yeah, that's a good idea. No one ever got laughs. <laughs> the only one who did it well... Was Dave O'Neill because I remember he had a little dictaphone with laughter on it, oh, and he'd do his joke. He'd go, "Oh, my kids are in the car," and just put the dictaphone to the to the microphone and get yeah. laughed, and then people would laugh at that. He was the only one who he figured it out. Yeah, that's smart. All right, we're going to take a break. All right, we're going to come back after these messages. Oh, great, cool. We're back. Okay, we have a, what a what a break. <laughs> uh, okay, we're back now. Oh, now this is great. I love it because I didn't have to do any research for this because the writer of the song is right here. Now, this is your song. Oh, is it? This is Polyester Girl. Okay. Do you mind if I listen to a minute of it? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, good. I thought I'd ask. so flat see when Angie was on as well listen to her show her song she was like oh I really should have had another take of that one it sounds great I I like it it's just so funny that it's was such a popular song and it's the singing is just a lot of that record is really bad (laughs) because I used to write all of my songs out of my range I didn't understand how to vocalise properly so I was just like in the dark most of the time and most of the stuff is in the wrong key for me when you did it live, did you have to transpose it down or up? Or no, actually, well, that's a good question. Because I, I can sing this reasonably well now, but yeah. I think I've gotten better at singing. So. Uh, we'll stop it there. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. Because yeah. <laughs> that was, it was a real departure from sound, yeah. from the first album to this album. Yeah. How nervous were you about releasing this? Because I, I, look, can I just say, yeah. huge fan, okay? I, this album, I love this album so thanks. much. Thanks. But, uh, I was also a big fan of Two Plane, and I was like, I'm, I'm going, I can... You can travel with both. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but as, as a band, you must have been going, oh, are people really going to go for this? Um, I don't think we really thought it through. Right. I think we just were like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. Just do it. Who cares? And that particular song was just like so ridiculous. None of us thought that it would, would do well at all or be picked as a single, but the record company were like, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We're like, really? Okay. <laughs> Even going to the other guys in the band was, or were you all kind of on board? Going, are we need, we're going in a new direction. Yeah, I think we were just like, whatever, you know, just whatever works, go for it. Who what, cares? What kind of stuff were you influenced by? What were you listening to that kind of made you go in this direction? Um, well, I mean, like all of our records, there's multiple directions. Yeah. There was definitely an '80s influence, but when I listened to the record because we had to because we're doing a nostalgic tour now. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really sound that 80s influence to me. There's only a couple of tracks that are like that. Polyester Gold sounds like like uh, it does sound like a 90s pop song almost, but not quite there. See, I was I was trying to explain it. I had a a guest on the other week who was a lot younger who didn't really like. I was like going in the 90s, like was you stayed in your lane. It was like if you like punk, you like punk. Yeah, sure. And any electronic instrument, people would go, "Oh, that's techno," even though it wasn't anything to do with techno. Yeah, and. It was because bands like you and Girling, and I said this, I think were ahead of your time 
And I reckon in today's kind of world where we everyone listens, like they just stream, so they listen to whatever they want mm. and they can jump genres so much more. Yeah. I think, not that it wasn't accepted, you guys were like super, super big in this country. Yeah, but the audience, like you said, are more trained for that now yeah. that their ears are trained to listen to a multitude of genres. And I think you guys played it super, super smart by having the first song, I Like Your Old Stuff Better Than Your New Stuff, kind of going, well, we're aware that it's changed. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. It was a conscious decision mainly from the from a crowd perspective. We were just getting a bit tired of the aggression of the cr- of the crowds. Yeah. A lot of male we attracted a lot of of a male male dominant crowd, yeah. especially the first record was much heavier. Yeah. And we were just getting a bit tired of the fights and the bullshit. Yeah, I remember uh Cram in an interview for uh, there was a documentary made called Dead Set. Oh yeah. Followed uh Spiderbait, um something for Kate. I think maybe Tim Rogers was interviewed for it as well. But in that, Cram was like going, yeah, he's got friends who just don't want to come and see Spider-Bat anymore because the audience is too aggressive. Yeah, just yeah. Shout out Old Man Sam and just fight. And yeah. that was... There was a bit of that going on. Yeah. And then Grinspoon came along and took most of those fans yeah. off us, which was nice. <laughs> and we had this kind of record that, you know, girls could kind of like enjoy parts yeah. of and boys could enjoy parts of. And, you know, yeah, it was nice. Well, as a... As a 16, 17 year old kid in uh, Tassie. I very much enjoyed it. But I wasn't alone. So uh, we mentioned that you had uh, six songs in the Hottest 100 that year. So right. this was one of them. This right. got to 26. Okay. Uh, it beat I Like Your Old Stuff Better Than Your Stuff by one place. Okay. And Happy Lands Don't You Know Who I Am by two places. Oh, right. So okay. at one point you had three songs in a row. Yeah, wow. On the charts. Oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, Don't You Know Who I Am, by the way, is the name of my old podcast. Oh, is it? Yeah, and I used. Uh, the 12 seconds of your song every oh, year. Wow. So, um, Thanks expect, for that. Expect royalty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I always do. <laughs> so this is, um, this is the top 10 that year. And I reckon, I, I think Double J do this occasionally as well. They do like a revisionist kind of top 10. Right. Because the highest placed song you had was uh, the song formerly known as mm-hmm. Number 6. Yep. I would argue either Number 1 or Number 2 now. Okay, this is my opinion. Okay, yeah. you can you can uh, disagree if you want to. So number one, I oh, will go. We'll go from ten. Okay, so number ten, save the day, the living end. Okay, your song's better. Okay, heavy heart, you're my. I could see why that would go number one. Okay, that's a, that's a, a nice. I don't actually song. recall that song of this. It's a ballad. It's a bit like. Um, okay. Please don't ask me the smile. But yep. Yep. Uh, Powderfinger, the day you come at number eight. Sure. Harpoon by Jebediah. Seven. Good tune. Very Australian. Yep. You guys, number six. Corn Got the Life, number five. Corn. Corn, yes. <laughs> that's that's where we were heading. When yep. you, good good choice getting out of the aggression. Yeah, it was going to yeah. get very, very aggressive after that. Celebrity Skin by Hole, number four. Okay. Girls Like That, Don't Go For Guys Like Us by Custard, number three. Wow, that's cool. Cigarettes Will Kill You by Ben Lee, number two. And number one, Pretty Fly For A White Guy by The Offspring. Oh, yeah. So I can say... Like, I would, Girls Like That, song formerly known as Heavy Heart, they should be the, the top three. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't understand how these things work, but... Oh, people just vote. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. All right. But Anything it, else you want to say about the song? Well, no, but we are playing with Custard quite a bit at the moment, and I must admit, I'm really enjoying them as a live band much more than I did in the 90s. I think yeah. they're much, even they're better or... I don't know. They just seemed the songs were really standing up. Yeah, which I was surprised about. They had a, they released stuff something about oh, I don't know about ten years ago. I'm going to say, and there was a song on it called um, "Contemporary Art." Okay, such a great song. So really? it's written by the drummer, not Dave. All right, and it's 
It's a great song. No, I have a listen to it. And it's one of those songs that I'm like, if they released this in their time of like girls like that, it would have been yeah, a right. big hit. Okay. People just I wonder if they're still playing it. Move on. I might ask for them ask to play them. it. Yeah, request it. Yeah. If you're going to go see Custard uh, regurgitated at Dizzy Death Rays, ask yeah, contemporary art while Custard are on. All right. Next next song. We talked about it two weeks ago as well. This is the song that followed uh, the impression that I get, their big song. Uh, they broke up, this band. They were together up until last year. They broke up because uh, the lead singer, Anti-Vax. This is <laughs> the Mighty Mighty Boss Stones <laughs> and their song, The Rascal King. Bit of Scar. Wasn't that long ago that I was talking about Scar actually with my um, our live mixer, Greg. Is he a fan? He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not of the... I don't know about what he thinks of this band, but um, he's a big fan of Sublime. And yeah. There's the two the two schools of it. So it's like the specials. Yeah. And then there's I mean, the I love American... The, I love the specials. Yeah. And then there's the American kind of... Yeah. And I think that's the same as punk. There's like... Even though like you've got the Ramones and, and then it went over to the UK. Yeah. But then it went back with like, you know, Minor Threat. Like, like all those kind of... And then that melded into Pop Blink One and Twos and, and yeah. like, some Forty Ones and all that kind of stuff. Um, right. But I think like Metal and Scar, the, maybe the two uh, music fans who that's their genre and they're sticking with it. Yeah, they don't they don't move out of that. Like yeah, which is I kind of appreciated No Doubt's take on it though. Yeah, they were like a little bit more all over the place. Yeah. No doubt, haven't come up yet. I thought they would have, but they haven't been on the on the podcast. Yet. Oh right, because um, I do another one, Hit Machine, and I think they're, they're on that one. <laughs> okay, that's, that's the Patreon. One. Right. Uh, so we talked about them last week uh, or two weeks ago, uh, the band and a lot of the they're from Boston, of course. They're called the Mighty Mighty Bostones. Uh, they were originally just called the Bostones. Okay. A um, barman said, "You should call yourself the Mighty Mighty Bostones." Um, because and they, they were drunk ended. enough to say yes. They went, "Yep." Um, they were pretty big. Yeah, yeah. For a ska band. Definitely. And uh, Dickie Barrett, the lead singer, didn't enjoy it at the time. Okay? <laughs> he and didn't he enjoy the fame? Didn't or? enjoy it. He said, it was great, but at the time, I didn't probably enjoy it the way I should have. I thought the sky was falling in and it was the end. I thought, oh my God, everyone knows who we are now. We were rude boys from Boston and we weren't supposed to be popular. And all of a sudden we were. I didn't want us to be known as sellouts. We did the same thing we'd always been doing. It was just that people gave a shit all of a sudden. Then I realised it wasn't so bad. I learned that the people who supported us before were proud of us and they and thought we deserved it. Pop music joined us on our terms and we didn't join pop music in on its terms. Mm. When you because you were saying '98, you were not in a good space. More just the band into personal relationships. When you tour that much, yeah. you just get tired, and then you don't really appreciate it. You don't realise uh, the position position you're in and how much like how lucky you are I think was there a push from the label to break America uh, initially but I just said no yeah I just said uh, I'm in a relationship with someone I, I like being with and I don't want to be away for six seven weeks at, you know I think that's the at a time what I've noticed is as soon as they start trying to push America and you're like it's such a big country like, yeah and so many dates just back around that back time back. a lot of the Australian bands that went over they were just wasting all the money they made here as yeah. well and not really making a dint yeah. so we're just like ah what's the point in, in comedy, it's the same as doing Edinburgh Fringe. Right. You go over there and you're like, oh, well, you'll, you'll spend $10,000. You're like, yeah. you'll be in debt $10,000, but you can come back and people are like, oh, wow, you did well over there. And it's like, well, 
I've got bills to pay here. I'd yeah. rather just pay my bills and have yeah. people here see me. I mean, I think that put a, a lot of pressure on my band members, though, because they were both pretty keen. Yeah. And so I think they were pretty disappointed at the time. And yeah. I, d- I think they did well to hide it from me. I maybe I just wasn't listening. Yeah. But I think it did put extra pressure on us at the time, for sure. It's so hard. Mm. Like with, uh, mm. cause it was three in the band, but was there any extra touring members? or Only by 98, Shane, I think, had been with us. And he's playing with us now as yeah. well. Um, and he was really helpful to be there because some days on on stage, just no one was looking at each other, and he was the, he was the only ray of sunshine basically that yeah. kept us together. I think, um, but yeah, I just after doing a, that American tour with Helmet in the Melbournes, I'm like, oh man. And then we did another one around Europe with another American band called Filter. Yep. And it was the same. It's just, it becomes like a real drag yeah. if you're not getting along, especially. And just like, wow. I don't think many people are getting us. It, it seemed like a very kind of, a sense of humor and the, it just didn't seem to come across yeah. to Americans in particular. I just thought we would be wasting our time over here. Also, I think Australians go over there and like, oh, we're fucking, yeah, we're, we're shit. And Americans don't get that. Like, oh, are you? Okay, we won't. Oh, man, there were so many of those kind of... Like, they're really positive and optimistic yep. on the face of it. You know, everyone was backslapping us and we're like, what is this? And then, you you know, you'd, you'd use the word cunt over there and, like, really hardcore metal metal dudes would come over and go, sorry, mate, we, we don't use that word here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you'd be like, what? Okay, sorry about that. Uh, can I say, this is... I wasn't... I'm going to ask this, but on unit you have uh, I'll lick your asshole. Yeah, you guys were so advanced. Like butt plays now now common. But back then this was this was uh, a total accidental. Like it was an accidental sample loop. Yeah, mistake that we just ran with. But that was the kind of thing. And like you said, most of these big songs, Polystical was pretty much written on a, a groove box in five minutes. Yeah. And the whole album was written in three weeks. For a sophomore record, we just did not overthink yeah. this one at all. The so house was, was demolished two, three days later. So it was the album after that? That was... Uh, uh, so Art was after. Art, yeah. yeah. And then when did you guys go in the bubble? When was that? Uh, that wasn't until... It's, I don't know. There was like one that we mixed with Andy Gill from The Gang of Four after that one. And then I think Mishmash was... I can't remember where. <laughs> I got a really bad memory. How long were you in the bubble for as well? Three weeks. Three, oh, see, that's, yeah. Yeah. So, with how were the band with that? Who who had the idea? Was it uh, Channel V first? No, it was really Paul that came to okay. them with it. And, yeah. and we were like, oh, yeah, we'll, we can do this. Yeah. Um, I quite enjoyed the experience. It was the most surreal thing I've ever done. I think I went to, it was at Fed Square. For those who don't know, it was yeah. at Fed Square. They were in a bubble. They were recording an album. So, you just go, walk past and you see Regurgitator in there just... Working on an album. It was, <laughs> it was really weird. <laughs> really weird. Jabba was in there as well, which is pretty... That yep. was probably the hardest thing, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is first appearance by the band. Not the first appearance by the lead singer on the album. This is Welsh band Catatonia lead singer Cerise Matthews. And this is their song, Road Rage. Catatonia. pretty low vibe <laughs> it gets it builds the chorus is actually really good I had a flatmate who loved this album he loved uh, Space which was the, she um, guessed it on 
and he also loved this song in particular. Yeah, right. Mainly because he liked doing a Welsh accent and rolling his R's. Oh. Oh, yeah, I know this song. Yeah, that's definitely a hit. For some reason I thought they were a goth band. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, there we go. So that uh, this song won the Q Awards Song of the Year in really? 98. Okay. Yeah, got to number five in the UK charts. It was written by a band member Mark Roberts. Uh, based on the murder of a man called Lee Harvey by his girlfriend uh, in December 96. She stabbed him more than 30 times with a penknife and then claimed he'd been uh, uh, stabbed by a stranger in a road rage accident or attack. Um, and then Lee's mother, uh, Maureen, said this about the song. It's disgusting that people are trying to make money from such a tragedy. My son did not die in a road rage attacked attack. He was killed by Tracy Andrews. We simply do not need songs like this. And so uh, Cerise Matthews actually called her up to apologise. Wow. And said, um, like, it's, the song's not about, I mean, it, it started off, but it's not about your son and we're not glorifying what happened. And uh, the mum has said, because there's a documentary made about it uh, and a book also called Pure Evil. And the mum was like, at least she had the decency to return my call when the others didn't. So Cerise Matthews, well done. Mm. Uh, so I read some reviews for the song. Uh the best one was um, they, they all loved how she rolled her R's. I can't do that. Uh, I can't actually pick that up on the laptop, but... No, nah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think as, as she goes further into the song, she really gets into the chorus, builds and builds. Uh, but this is uh, the Sunday Mirror, gave it 9 out of 10, and they said, if Matthew sounded any more Welsh, she'd be a dragon. <laughs> so another good review. Uh, got to 48 in the Hottest 100. Yeah. So it was quite a big hit here as well, in terms of like... Yeah, people, I do recall the song, yep. for sure. Um this is our last song. This is first time, and I think maybe only time, this band will be on the on the compilations. This is a band called Fastball, and their song, The Way, starts with some radio static. See if you can pick out Jewel. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if she got paid any royalties <laughs> for that. <laughs> Sounds like it's got the most modern production out of all of them. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things, I think, as a song, like just playing on acoustic guitar, it just it's repeats itself. Like mm. you're actually doing something more interesting in the studio. I just want to play the chorus. So yeah. Gonna, if they can't recognise it now, they'll probably Yeah, I remember this too. 
Was this their only hit? In this country it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, I think they might still be a band. Uh, they're from Austin in Texas. And, yeah, uh, it's so got that sound actually. This, they, they'd won uh, their album before, this is from their second album, their album before was kind of a local hit, won uh, Best Pop Record at the Austin Music Awards. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they went through a bunch of bands before they settled on Fastball. So they were first band named Star 69, then Magneto USA, then Ed Clark's Business Bible. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then Starchy and then Fastball. They sound like they were in the writer's room for a long time there. We regurgitated the first... What would have any band names before regurgitated? No, that was it. That was it. That was it. We just flicked through a dictionary. We're like, that, that sounds pretty cool. That's good. Which is fine, except when you want to explain it to a grandma. It's like, oh, you play music? What's the band's name? <laughs> then it's like, oh, well, actually... Well, it's better than... The, Getting offside then before they listen to I'll Lick Your Arsehole or I Piss Alone. <laughs> I guess so, like yeah. Uh, so this was uh, from their second album, All the Pain Money Can Buy. And just like the last song, this is based on a true story as well. So quite a grim story. So uh, it was uh, in around Austin, an uh, elderly couple. So one of them had dementia, the other one had just uh, had uh, a stroke. And, but they were driving to, they liked going to dances and they were driving to a 15 minute drive to a local dance and they just kept on driving and they were missing for like three weeks. What? And then they found the car down a ravine, but their bodies were like miles away from the car. And they just walked. Yeah. They just didn't know what they were doing. Wow. Have you seen Beef? No. It's on Netflix. Watch Beef. I don't want to give it away. Beef. But it's... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Ali Wong yep. and um, yep. Yun. Anyway, so um, so this... And so uh, Tony Scalzo, I think, is the lead singer. He was fascinated by the story. Yeah, it's wild. And everyone was like, oh, how sad. And he's like, oh, you know what? I reckon that's kind of nice. Their last moments Romantic. were together. They just kept on driving into the sun. They were away for three weeks. Like, just... Dr- and because it was like... You could never really know, though, miles right? Miles <laughs> and miles and miles away from where they were meant to be. Wow. So it's like, I wonder what clicked in their brains. I mean, who, who collective... Was it collectively thought about? Or they just went, ah, oh, we're going to... One went, went, let's do this. And I the other know, one was yeah. like, okay. Let's keep driving. Um, the family of the elderly couple loved this song. Oh, that's the, nice. Unlike uh, Road Rage, they were like, yeah, it's such a nice way to think about it. And they're like, yeah, it's like... Because everyone was like, oh, it's such a tragic ending. But then I like they spun it to be like, what a... What a nice way. And they're like, yeah, that's how we're going to remember, remember it. Yeah, sure. Uh, so it got to 48 in Australia on the charts. Okay. So, you know, enough of a crossover hit. Uh, and then it got to number one on the Billboard Alternative Rock charts. And it was there for seven weeks. Wow. And then they went on a tour, which was a very 1998 tour. Okay. So Fastball, mm-hmm. Marcy Playground, Sex and Candy, Arsenal, oh, yep. Sex and, yep. and Everclear. Ooh. <laughs> so yeah, okay. So that's that. You couldn't get more of a 1998 yeah, like tour. Very 98. Like, yeah. All right. That is the end of our of our uh, side B of volume 26. And so now what we do, Quine, at the end of every episode, we go through and you rate whether or not it's a hit or not. Okay. So, High by Lighthouse Family is that a hit in the Quine uh, universe? Uh yeah. I mean, okay. Definitely a hit. All right. Lucky Man by The Verve. I don't think that's a hit. Okay, Mama's Trippin' Freedom Mix by Ben Harper. <laughs> no, no, that, I mean, yes, but only because of the sample. So you're going to say yes? Yeah, okay. but only because of the sample. Thanks, the funky drummer, that's what the drum beat is. Uh, I Know Where It's At by All Saints. Um, yeah, I like that tune. Turn Back Time by Aqua. Yeah, if I didn't know it was by Aqua, 
I think definitely. Yeah. All right, polyester girl regurgitator. That's debatable. It's a hit. It's a hit. <laughs> I'm going to vote there. Okay, the Rascal King by the Mighty Mighty Bostones. I don't. I don't really know what constitutes uh, a scar hit. Yeah. So I don't know what element. There that makes that I would make it. it. A, I mean, we talked over the entire song as well. So yeah, like, okay. is it just because it's a novelty scar song that they just chuck one in every now and again? To I, I reckon the impression that I get was a hit. I reckon they went, let's try and build this band up. We'll do another song. Right, okay, that's the second single. Okay. Uh, Road Rage, Catatonia. Yeah, that's definitely a hit. That's six and the way by Fastball. Yeah, I think that's a hit as well. It's seven out of nine. Yeah. That's 70, 77%. That's right. I could work for a record company. 77% <laughs> hit. So that's great. Hey, thanks for doing this, Kwan. Oh, you're welcome, Josh. Now, you've got uh, shows with Regurgitator touring the country right now? I do, yeah. Unit, unit shows. Unit? So yep. we're playing the full record start to finish. Twenty And from start to finish? Yeah. Great. Yeah, with our original keyboard player, Shane. And Encore, is it just a, a mix of all yes, the best Yes, mixed bag of the rest of the stuff that's worth listening to. <laughs> I, love, I love that kind of gig. It's great. <laughs> you should come along. Oh, I'd love to come along. Yeah. I, I also really like DZ Death Rays. That'd be great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll chuck you on the door on, on Sunday, maybe. I think Saturday's sold out, so it's Perfect. it's at the Forum as well. We've never played the Forum. Oh, the Forum's great. Yeah, it's I amazing. I saw Idols there. It was great. So, oh, yeah, great bands. So, yeah, I saw Sisters of Mercy there recently. Nice. That was wild. Idols did this great thing where they got everyone on the floor to go either side. And oh, they yeah. have a song called Crash. And when he said Crash, he goes, and everyone just ran into the middle and crashed into each other. Oh. And I was at the back because I'm 40. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. That's really. insane. Okay. But they're, they're also coming out again. They must love this. But anyway, uh, so make sure you go if, uh, get tickets. in. So it's uh, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane? Yeah, Sydney is the, the roundhouse, I believe. Yep. And Brisbane, I can't actually recall. Oh, we've already done it. What am I saying? <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put the details for all the shows up on, in the show notes as well. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Hey, everyone, um, if you're not supporting the show on Patreon, you can do that. Go to patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. Uh, this week's episode of Hit Machine is with um, Broden Kelly so from Auntie Donna. So make sure you go and listen to that one. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Bye. See ya. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.